This will be the greatest I'm right ever. We have Jason Whitlock. We have Pastor Arthur, who's been arrested for COVID violations. We have the lead singer, singer of Five for Fighting. I'm giving out my burger recipe this week in wokeism. It's insane. Coming up on I'm Right. I can't remember a lot of the things that transpired 10 or 12 years ago, but um, I stand here uh, in front of everybody apologizing. I know I'm not, uh, I don't have an ounce of, of racism in me. I'm a, a guy that takes pride in leading people together, and I'll continue to do that for the rest of my life. And again, I apologize to D. Smith and anybody out there that, that I have offended, okay? There's John Gruden. He got the axe. Why did he get the axe? Well, there are people in this society you can insult and people you most definitely cannot. And the people you can't insult, one might even say those are the people in charge. And, and, and look, I'm not going to go into all this because I'm going to bring in Jason Whitlock in a second. And he's a lot more knowledgeable about basically everything than I am. But I will just say... Are we really going to dig through everybody's private emails and text messages and ask them for it? Because I'm looking at the details we do have. Remember, we don't even have details yet. I'm looking at John Gruden's emails, and he's making fun of drafting a gay player because he sucked. What's the point of drafting him? He's making fun of female referees. He apparently made fun of somebody's lip size, and uh, he didn't like players not standing for the national anthem, and he didn't like Roger Goodell. Now, I don't know how your friends are. That's basically how my friends talk. I, everybody has emails or text messages of some kind like that. You don't, you don't have a meme in your past that you wouldn't want your employer to see? This is so stupid and outrageous. Joining me now, uh, obviously everybody knows I'm a gigantic fan and have been for a long time, Jason Whitlock. He is the host of the Fearless podcast. Jason, this is all so dumb. It is all so dumb. And do NFL players don't even care about this. We're getting rid of a longtime NFL coach. What is this madness? Jesse, off that long list of people that you rattled off that he offended, you left off two of the most important. Uh, he was critical of uh, St. Barack Obama, and he, uh, John Gruden also said that he described President Joe Biden as a nervous, clueless P-word. And I think a lot of people took offense of him saying that Joe Biden was nervous. I think everything else is accurate. Uh, but calling him nervous is probably a little out of bounds, unfair. Uh, but look, man, he wasn't on board with the leftist agenda that the NFL has completely swallowed. And so I think John Gruden is a sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb, a symbol to everybody else in the NFL, that if you're not on board with uh, our diversity and inclusion initiative that includes you know, the promotion of any player that uh, has an alternative sex lifestyle, we're going to promote them to the fullest. Uh, Gruden not on board with that, not on board with all the female referees being fast-tracked to the NFL, uh, female coaches being fast-tracked to the NFL. He's not on board with the leftist agenda that the NFL, the Black Lives Matter, the national anthem protest. And so you take a guy like John Gruden out that had a 10-year, $100 million contract, and the message flows downhill from there. There will be no complaining about anything we do at the NFL 
it's no different than what the Department of Justice is doing to parents about critical race theory. That's why they've criminalized going to school boards and, and complaining loudly. They're imposing their point of view on society, and they're doing that in the NFL. Jason, would you please explain to me how, uh, let's, let's focus on the NFL for a second, how we got here? Because, look, John Gruden's own players, multiple players have come out and said, I've got a problem with Gruden. What, what's the problem here? I would venture to guess somewhere in the 90 percentile range of all NFL players have texts and emails that look exactly like that. That's how players really feel. Okay, so those are the players. Now we go to the fans. Uh, we're not talking about the clientele uh, of Starbucks or Birkenstocks here. This is a clientele of the NFL. They all have emails and texts like that too, so the players don't actually feel this way, and the fans don't actually feel this way, and yet John Gruden is gone. Why? Because corporations feel this way, and the NFL is in partnership with corporations, global corporations. Nike is the strongest influence in all of sports. It dominates the NBA. The NBA is actually the marketing arm of Nike. And Nike has turned the entire NBA, National Basketball Association, woke. And the agenda is to turn the NFL into the same kind of woke propaganda machine as the NBA. And this has been the long war that they're winning. Now everybody can see it. But Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling in 2016, that was just a Trojan horse to take over the NFL and install a woke narrative and agenda and point of view to the National Football League, which is the most powerful force in popular culture. The NFL is the number one television show on five different TV networks. And so when you have that kind of cultural force and might behind you, of course the left wants to take that over and, and wants to be in charge of that. And they are in charge of it. Roger Goodell has swallowed the woke agenda whole. His number one assistant, number two guy, Troy Vincent, has swallowed it whole. And, and now they're imposing that point of view on the coaches and everybody else. If you want to make money in the NFL, you have to get on board with our agenda. All right, switching gears here really quickly. Kyrie Irving, I, I don't obviously watch the NBA anymore. That's just something I've been honest about. I don't get on board with all that. I try to not spend my money with people who hate me. But I see Southwest Airlines pilots and Kyrie Irving potentially leading the charge against these vaccine mandates. And no, I didn't think it would come from Southwest pilots and Kyrie Irving but Kyrie Irving just got axed from the Nets. He's suspended because he won't get the vaccine. He's not allowed back until he does get the vaccine. Obviously, somebody I have a lot of disagreements with, but I admire the courage, Jason. I think it's awesome. That's quite a paycheck to hand back because you want to stand for something. Same as I do Southwest. I didn't see these two entities leading the charge here, but apparently they're going to. I think we're at a critical pivot point and moment here as it relates to Kyrie Irving. Is, is he going to stand up and be the authentic version of Muhammad Ali of his generation? Muhammad Ali uh, defied the administration, the government, the power structure, and refused induction into the NFL draft. Whether you agree with it or not, it was a courageous moment. He 
he stood against the establishment. Kyrie Irving in that exact same situation right now. The entire establishment is trying to force this vaccine mandate down our throats. I think he's the perfect person to stand against this. He's 29 years old. The vaccine is not for 29-year-old professional athletes. They're in peak condition. The vaccine is actually for 50-year-old fat guys like me. And we shouldn't be trying to jam this down the throats of young men and women who are in perfect health and are at virtually no risk to COVID. We can't be forcing these things down their body and, 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 and injecting them into their bodies. We can't. That's not America. That's not American freedom. I hope that Kyrie Irving stands strong here. He has a chance to be more important than just a basketball player. We try to pretend like LeBron James is a courageous athlete and, and willing to stand up to the establishment. LeBron James is the establishment. I'm hoping that Kyrie Irving is the Muhammad Ali of this generation. Jason, I want to play this little clip of Bubba Wallace for you because actually I was in a tire shop and I saw this on the Today Show. I saw this clip and the interview with Michael Jordan. And I, I mean, look, maybe you'll yell at me. That's fine. I, it just made me shake my head about something. For a while there, it just becomes, um, you know, you get a lot of booze and it's just like, man, you know, I'm just out here trying to be who I am yeah, and have yeah. a lot of fun. And, just trying to be bubble. You know, and then people say, hey, they're making noise. So whether it's cheering or booing, hey, they're making noise. But yeah, it's a little different when you get booed for the reasons I get booed for. But um, but it's it's part of it. Jason, uh, like I said, Michael Jordan was also interviewed during that whole portion. And at one point in time, there's Bubba Wallace interviewed, millionaire, NASCAR star, Michael Jordan, billionaire, greatest athlete of all time, in my personal opinion, and millionaire, black host of the Today Show, interviewing them all about the racism and how tough they have it in America. And I honestly, do these people ever take a moment and look in the mirror and think, this country's actually pretty stinking cool. I'm doing all right here. Uh, Bubba Wallace pretending like he's getting booed because of the color of his skin is a joke. Bubba Wallace is getting booze because some NASCAR fans don't like him because he expresses a sense of entitlement. He he allowed NASCAR and circumstance to paint NASCAR as uh, a KKK rally every weekend because there was a, a noose or a knot on a garage door rope. People haven't let that go uh, because they know that there was no hate crime. The FBI came in and investigated. There was no hate crime. Bubba Wallace tried to pretend, well, I got nothing to do with it. It was NASCAR that said it and blah, blah. But he let that narrative sink in and let the media run wild with it and that he's a victim. And it pissed off NASCAR fans and they don't like him. And they're not on board with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the slogans and stuff he put on his car and he's wearing on his his mask, they're not on board with that, and they have a right to not be on board with that. It's a Marxist agenda. It's an anti-American agenda. They have a right to feel that, but they boo a lot of NASCAR drivers. And for, for Bubba to say, oh, my God, I'm perfect. Everybody would like me if I wasn't black, or uh, be quite honest with you, uh, Jesse, if he wasn't half black. His, his dad is white. He's half black. 
uh, I wrote a column last week where I talked about Bubba Wallace wants to be in the movie Half Black to the Future. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Back to the Future, uh, where a car was transporting. Why uh, Michael Fo Michael J. Fox maybe played the lead character uh, back into the past. And so Bubba Wallace actually wants to live in the 1940s and 50s when there was actual hostile racism expressed towards guys like Bubba Wallace. He wants to go back to that. He wants to be living in that world. Unfortunately for him, it's 2021. And if, if he didn't do certain things to invite people to dislike him, no one would care because he hasn't proven to be that great of a driver so far. He's a middle-of-the-road driver. It's great that he got his rain-shortened victory, but Bubba Wallace is just trying to profit off the racial agenda and the race narrative that corporate media loves, and he wants to be a victim. Jason Whitlock, obviously, go get his podcast, Fearless. Highly recommended. It's one of my favorites now. Jason, thank you so much. It's an honor as always, sir. Thank you, Jesse. Where is he wrong? I mean, all that may have made you uncomfortable, but he's right. Now we got hit. This show's so good. The next is this, this week in wokeism, and you're going to want to hang on for that. Plus my burger recipe. All that's coming up on the show tonight. But first, are you in debt? If you're in debt, and I've been in debt, there's a... A funny thing that happens, I guess it's not funny, it's probably terrible, but you kind of feel ashamed, and you can get ashamed to the point where you decide it's hopeless. Ah, I can't, these credit cards and these loans, I have this department store credit card, I maxed it out, I, I can't do it, I'll forget it. Don't do that. Don't do that. At least, at least make one more phone call for me before you do that, because there is a path to get out. I don't care what your story is. I don't care how bad it is. Total Financial Freedom has heard it all. They've been doing this 15 years with an A-plus rating in the, with the Better Business Bureau. Sometimes they cut people's monthly payments in half, and oftentimes they get you completely out of it eventually. Call Total Financial Freedom. Make one more phone call for me. Call 877-332-8291. 877 877-332-8291. Tell them Jesse told you to call. They'll throw in an extra something special for free. Total financial freedom. We'll be back. It's time for the segment everybody loves so much. This week in wokeism. Actually, I shouldn't say everybody loves it. I think everybody love hates it. I know I do. I mean, I look forward to coming and talking to you about the latest insane cultural Marxist crap going on in this country. And I know you want to hear about it. I know you want to be informed on what's going on. But when we sort through these stories, I just cringe and cringe and cringe some more. And I'm sure when I tell you about these stories, you just sit there and recoil in horror because it seems like there is, there's no end. Doesn't it seem like there's no end? And that's the bad news. Before I get to all this, talk about a Debbie Downer. There is no end. And remember why. Before we get to this Superman stuff and even Legos and other... Before we get to that, I want you to remember why there is no end. Communism is not a political ideology. It is a religion. It is a religion of destruction and domination. Communism doesn't have an end goal, not a set end goal. 
it only wants to destroy the next thing and destroy the next thing and destroy the next thing. Even if you were to give them everything right now, everything they ever wanted. Here, here, communists, take it all. They would wake up tomorrow morning and continue to destroy. They destroy themselves. It never ends. That's why we must be bolder and tell them no and make them push and make them back away by making them feel pain. Let's find the things they love and attack the things they love. Let's pass laws they hate. Let's freeze out businesses they love. Let's do these things. Why? Look at this garbage. You can't even have Superman anymore. Superman, uh, he's kissing a dude. This was, of course, announced yesterday. Uh, DC Comics, they've decided they've made a new Superman. He's the son of Clark Kent, and of course, he's kissing a freaking dude. Now, I love that the guy came out and basically wrote the article for me. He basically gave my monologue on it. He said, quote, the idea of replacing Clark Kent with another straight white male savior felt like, what? A missed opportunity. It's like they wrote it for me. Who's been telling you this? Who's been telling you that's how these people think? Understand this. The communists, the cultural Marxists here in America. He doesn't look at the world the way you look at the world, or the way I look at the world. He has a very unhealthy, miserable outlook. He'll always be miserable, but he does make gains. Why? All he sees is what he hasn't been able to destroy yet. You? It would never occur to you to make Superman gay. I mean, it's for kids, and what are we talking about here? Him? It would never occur to him to miss an opportunity. Of course, it's an opportunity to manipulate, spread propaganda, waterboard kids with this stuff. It would never occur to him not to make Superman gay. Remember my analogy. If you were competing with the communists for 100 islands, and the communists took 99 of them, you would say to yourself, oh gosh, I got destroyed, but hey, I, I mean, I got one island, I guess, guess we'll try to get by. You would wake up the morning after losing 99 islands and you would be happier than the communist who had 99 out of 100. He would wake up that morning and say, I cannot believe we didn't get that last island. How, how do we not have that island? That should be our island. The communist only sees what he hasn't been able to destroy yet. They can't even, they can't even let us have Legos. Legos yesterday. They decided they're going to remove gender stereotypes from their toys and make Legos gender neutral. What, what is wrong with this world? And look, I have a million other examples of stuff I could give you for this week in wokeism, but I know we have such a jam-packed show and there's so much out there. Just, we have Pastor Arthur Pulaski joining us next. He's been on the show before. He's the one who's been arrested in Canada for fighting for freedom. Stay tuned for that, but first. These are rough economic times, right? Maybe you're out of work, maybe not. Flippingmadeeasy.com might be something you should look into right now. Whether you're out of work looking to make some money or want a little side gig for some extra cheddar in your pocket or you're just interested in flipping houses, Flipping Made Easy is a one-stop shop for flipping houses. Jesse, I don't know anything about that. Good, fine. That's what's so great about it. You don't have to know a thing. It's all right there. They even tell you the housing, the house flipping opportunities in your area. Uh, but what about experts? They have article after article after article from experts about every single subject you can think of. All that wisdom right there in one website. And vendors. This may be the most important part. 
Who do you call? I thought the electrical's not working. I worry with the plumber. I FlippingMadeEasy.com has that too. FlippingMadeEasy.com. Go and sign up for a platinum membership today. Use the promo code Jesse and you'll get an extra something special for it. All right, Pastor Arthur, next. Joining me now is Pastor Arthur Pulowski. He has been on the show before. What you just saw right there was a video of a pastor being placed in handcuffs on the airport on the airport tarmac for what for violating canada's covid orders now pastor we will get an update on everything that has happened since the last time we talked but for those who missed it the first time would you please lay out how all this began how did you start getting crossways with the canadian government Oh, well, that started in 2005, believe it or not, when the Canadian government came to our church announcing that giving free goods and services is actually against the law, believe it or not. If you don't have special permission from the mayor's office, you're not allowed to feed the poor. You're not allowed to distribute the Bibles. You're not allowed to congregate in public. I mean, total insanity. I started to fight with them and those illegal bylaws because we have uh, something similar to what you have in the United States of America, uh, the Constitution. We have Charter of Rights and Freedoms where it says, whereas Canada acknowledges the supremacy of God and the rule of law in the preamble. So we have a criminal code, we have Charter of Rights and Freedoms, human rights, and of course, under those laws, we are allowed to do what we have been doing. So I started to defy their tickets, their orders, and I became the first Canadian citizen to be arrested just a year later, 2006, for publicly, listen to this, reading the Bible. So I was caught in the act, if you if you will, and I was arrested, handcuffed by seven police officers, and I faced a year prison for that crime. Fast forward, 10 years later, I won my trials, over 100 court cases, dozen arrests, they left me be to feed the poor, and that's what I do number of times a week. We feed the poor, we feed the mentally ill, we feed thousands of people on the streets of Calgary. That's what we do. We started over 40 ministries just like this one, streetchurch.ca. If you want to see what we're doing all over the world, different continents. And 2020, March, the government found a new way to destroy us. And I received a letter from the city hall telling me that I am not allowed anymore to feed the poor because we're in the middle of the greatest pandemic ever. Well, I argued with them. I said, okay, uh, pandemia or not, uh, those people need to eat. If I'm not going to give them the necessities of life, they're going to whack your father's head, your mother's, your grandma's. They'll bring into your cars, into your garages, into your homes. So, you know, this way or that way, those people will get the necessities of life. Of course, the government disagreed with me, and I became the first Canadian citizen, a pastor, to get a COVID ticket. Since then, I got over 30 of them. 
Fast forward, we have been harassed, intimidated on a regular basis until December of 2020, when the government went on television and said that they are canceling Christmas. Uh, just a month before, it was okay to have Halloween, and the kids were uh, told to have a, a safe uh, Halloween, but now it's Christmas, and they said we are canceling it. And if you dare to have your parents for dinner, if you dare to have extra people uh, for a coffee, uh, then they're going to send the police and you're going to be arrested. So I went on television and I said, listen uh, to me, you unessential services. We do not want you. You're useless. We will be better off without you. And I invited people to come to the biggest Christmas celebration in the country. So thousands of people showed up. We had AAA stakes. We had gifts for the homeless. We had Christmas carolers. And we also had over 20 um, police officers on bicycles, over 100 officers on foot, anti-terrorists, chief of police, and I end up with 15 more tickets. So imagine 52 police cars, over 100 officers, 20 cops on bicycles, chief of police, videotaping us, anti-terrorists in a peaceful assembly. And the politicians, just before they closed us as prisoners in our homes, they went vacationing to Florida, Hawaii, Europe, Barbados, you name it, uh, after, of course, giving themselves a happy paycheck. So we know, we know that this has nothing to do with health. This is not about keeping people safe. This is about a totalitarian, globalistic takeover. Then they started to show up at our church. First, they blocked our driveway. Then they started to take pictures with the telescopic cameras of our children, our women. And then, of course, the famous video when they entered our church building without a warrant, trespassing, breaking three criminal codes under the Criminal Code of Canada. And I said what I said, uh, kicking them out. I told them, get out. And, of course, that has become a slogan around the world right now. That's how you deal with the totalitarian Nazis, the Gestapo, the KGB of today. You just simply tell them no and get out. Of course, they came back with a vengeance. They have found the corrupted judges. One of them, David Gates, I am sure he's probably re related to your devil, uh, Gates, that is doing this to us with the, you know, with the jobs and, and the whole nine yards. Well, David Gates, maybe related to Bill Gates, he has given them enormous powers, powers to come into the church anytime they want, any day of the week, with whomever they want to come in. So they showed up with anti-terrorists, and we kicked them again, then we kicked them again. They came back with another crooked order from another crooked judge, Judge Rook, and he gave them even more power. Now anyone can be arrested just for simply not wearing a muzzle. A kid, a woman, a man, not just a clergyman. And after... After they dropped this document on the ground, it has, they, they never give it to me. They never read it to me. They never send it to my lawyers. They never, you know, send it to me electronically or any way, you know, shape or form. I have been stopped in the middle of the highway with my brother David. Both of us were arrested for listening to this, inciting people to come to church, officiating a church service, and participating in illegal gathering based on the order that has never been given to me. I and my brother David, we have been found we have been found guilty on contempt times two, contempt of court order, and potentially 
tomorrow, October 13th, the judge can send us up to four years prison term for just simply being Christians. And that's what I was doing in the United States. I went there uh, to travel around your beautiful country and to warn you, whatever is happening to us, be very careful because they're going to do it to you as well. If you're not vigilant, if you will not rise up, stand up, look what they have been doing to me. You're next unless you will rise up and stand up. And I think Americans are rising up. I have seen tens of thousands of patriotic, amazing people, people that are willing to fight the tyranny, people that are courageous. I mean, I've never met more courageous people than Americans uh, during those four months. And of course, as you know, when we called authorities after four months of being in the States, when I had an opportunity to meet uh, with the most powerful people on earth, actually, at the meetings multiple with General Flynn and Mike Lindell and all kinds of patriots left and right and fascinating, amazing people, congressmen, uh, senators, uh, governor even. Uh, I met with, um, with the Trump's family, Eric Trump. We were speaking at the same, from the same podium at one of the conferences in Tennessee. Uh, so incredible time. We called after, before I was uh, arriving into Calgary, we called authorities asking if there's anything pending, if there are any warrants from arrest. We were assured that nothing is happening, no warrants. And of course, when I arrived, we landed in Calgary. Our plane was diverted to a totally different place where I was handcuffed, arrested, and two criminal charges were placed on me. One for not wearing a muzzle and another one for officiating a church service in June, uh, just before I went to the United States. So I'm facing another trial, this time criminal, and tomorrow, October 13th, I am facing potentially, if the judge wants to throw a whole book at me, four years, and my brother David too. That's the insanity that we're living right now. Pastor, the, the, if, by the way, everybody, streetchurch.ca, that is the website. We will keep you in your prayers, everybody. Keep the pastor in your prayers for tomorrow. Pastor, thank you so much for your courage, sir. The, the world needs more Christians just like you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless. That's how it's done right there. All right. Now, I know these are stressful times. And if you're a smoker or a dipper, probably asking a lot to say quit during this time, right? And I'm not telling you lecture your family, your friends. You got to quit. That does not work. Hear me out. It does not work. But there is a way to quit. There is a way that's not miserable. It's Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew is miraculous, in my opinion, because it's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And yet it allows that dipper to put in a dip. It allows that smoker to put in one of the CBD pouches, takes that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com right now. Use the promo code JESSE. jakesmintchew.com with the promo code JESSE gets you 10% off. Get some. It works. Get some for yourself or that relative. jakesmintchew.com, promo code JESSE. We will be right back with a special guest, the singer of Five for Fighting, John Andresen. Hang on. There's blood on these hands There's still Americans The 
I'm sorry, that must be something wrong with my ears. I, I thought I just saw a megastar musician actually playing something that insults the regime. Who would have guts like that? Joining me now, this is actually a special privilege for me, John Andresic of Five for Fighting. I say this is a special privilege for me. I messaged John earlier this week and let him know. At one point in time, I was a young, dumb Marine in Iraq and we used to play five for fighting songs to relax ourselves at the end of every single day. We were huge fans of his, uh, of the band, and I actually get to have him on my show now, and it's freaking cool. John, let's talk about me before we get to you. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, man. That was, it, it, it meant something to us, I'll tell you that much. Music is powerful, and it was, it was helpful for us, for sure. Well, Jesse, first, thank you for your service. And uh, when we were chatting, it brought me back to those days. And I, uh, I have no military in my family, but uh, those initial emails I got from many of your brothers and sisters in arms talking about just that, how they use music in so many ways. You know, you may use it to relax. Some may use it to pump themselves up. Some may use it to escape. It was uh, so meaningful to me and really got me started on my kind of work for the troops in the USO. So thank you for everything you did. And I'm so glad the songs helped a little bit. They, they helped much more than a little bit. Now let's, let's get to this one. John, uh, you're not exactly some small time guy playing in a garage in Bakersfield, California. You have a big stake in this thing, a major career. What are you doing out there insulting the powers that be? You're supposed to be some card carrying communist. What's wrong with you? You know, Jesse, there used to be a time where protest songs were beloved by the Rolling Stones of the world, and speaking to power mattered. You know, there was a uh, folk singer in Afghanistan, Fawad Andarabi, who was dragged from his house and shot and killed. And you would think that guy would be on the cover of Rolling Stone, and they would be supporting all the artists trying to escape. But unfortunately, in this world we live in, there seems to be something upside down. And... I just write what I what I feel. And Jesse, this to me is a moral message. It's not a political one. And I've said this before, but if Donald Trump put us in this situation, the song would remain the same, only the names would change. And it's really disappointing, not surprising, that the media and particularly the music uh, industry has basically abandoned their uh, compassion and uh, a, a beloved songwriting for oppression of others, particularly people of color. And so uh, I, again, I just write what I feel. What's happened in Afghanistan is a national shame. It's a debacle. And thanks to folks like you keeping it on the front foot. But uh, we're all in this together. And it is a moral message about the American promise and accountability. And we've broken the American promise and we've seen no accountability to date. And I'm gonna keep screaming this song till we see some of that. We are, again, I want everybody to make sure you go download it. The song is called Blood on My Hands. And he names names. I, he names names, and I'm and I'm so glad you do, John. I I, I don't want to get sappy about it I, because I'm not a sensitive or good person at all. But I cannot I can't wrap my mind around a couple things. We drove we we got 13 of our brave warriors killed. That's a direct response to Joe Biden's actions over there. And then in response to that, we drone striked 10 people, and seven of those people were children. 
And I've seen the pictures of those kids. And I mean, I'm talking adorable little kids, man. And I, I cannot believe not a single person has been arrested over that, let alone resigned or been fired. Someone should be currently awaiting a court martial at the bare minimum over that. Yes, and that this is our extraordinary success, which scares me more than anything because this Orwellian narrative, what happens, we're already seeing what's happening in Taiwan right now with China. And you're right. Uh, and I'm more upset with Millie and Austin because you know what? I expect presidents to do stupid things, but when things get bad, I have great respect for our troops. I expected them to come out and clarify that extraordinary success. But when they echo the same, what a great airlift narrative, um, I was scared and angry. And I had to call out Millie. I had to call out Austin. I had to call out Blinken, who was basically saying, oh, none of our allies are mad at us when the night before parliament had condemned our actions. So it's really dangerous when we have this disconnect from reality with the people that are running the show. So I'm with you 100%. And I think it's important for all of America to not let this fade. It's not just about Afghanistan. It's about our national honor. It's about this shame that unless we admit our complicity will fester and continue to erode our moral conscience. And for me, the song is just one scream, but I think so many people feel that inside. I'm trying to be a voice for those that feel they're silent. <clears throat> and I love that. And I, I wanted to actually touch on that with you. It's one thing for me to get on here and run my fat mouth on TV and my radio show every single day about uh, about politics and, and right and left. I don't get in trouble. I, I'm allowed to say whatever I want. You're in an industry where you are, to say swimming against the tide would be the most mildly mild <laughs> statement in the world. What kind of heat have you caught for actually stepping out of line and being a counterculture, which as you pointed out, is what music used to be? You know, it's, look, well, there's always a price to pay, but I look at it this way. We have fellow vets, your brothers and sisters right now, who have drained their bank accounts. They have quit their jobs. They're down in Afghanistan, risking their lives to rescue Afghan allies that maybe saved their lives. The women and children in Afghanistan are being tortured, raped, put into sex slavery. It's like, whatever problems I may get from the stupid shallow music industry whatever rolling stone may want to say bad about me is so trivial to the what's going on in the world so cancel me smancel me my dog still loves me i'm gonna say what matters and i'm gonna continue to say what matters and hopefully hopefully it will give those in the industry in the arts a little bit of courage and permission to speak their mind and i know they're out there they're afraid of getting canceled many of them have mortgages to pay but the more we all stand up as a community, as the American people, I think it just makes it easier for everyone to fight back on the cancel culture. So again, uh, my, my, my issues, you know, I sang Superman, it's not easy to be me. It's pretty damn easy to be me. It's pretty damn easy to be us in this country. So I think we just need to remind folks of that. Can't tell you how much I respect your leadership and your humility and the fact that you made a young Marine, a bunch of young Marines' lives just a bit easier back in the day. John, thank you so much. This song is called Blood on My Hands. I appreciate you, sir, very much. Please stay in touch. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for your service and all the vets out there. We love you. We thank you. That's a good dude right there. Finally, some guts. I love it. All right. Our Light in the Mood next is going to be a little different. I'm going to give you a gift, and you're going to treasure it the rest of your life. I'm not kidding. Hang on.
You're going to have to bear with me here because this light in the mood may be a touch longer than it usually is. Why? Because I'm about to hand you a gift you will treasure for the rest of your life. Now, there was a couple named Alan and Karen. They went to a restaurant and they gave specific instructions about how they wanted the burger made, all the ingredients in separate containers, and all this weirdo garbage, right? Set that aside. Forget it. Forget about Alan and Karen for a moment. Step into my world. I am a man of very few skills. I admit this. I, I'm not a, a highly skilled individual. I do a few things very well. I am a top five napper in the world. I'm an excellent at that. I am a menu whisperer. If I walk in a restaurant, I can look at a menu, even if I've never been there before, and I can find the best things on the menu. It's just an instinct. It's God-given. There is something I do better than anyone else on the planet, though. I make cheeseburgers. And no, I'm not a world-class chef. I just spent years and years and years dedicating myself to the craft of making the perfect burger. And I'm about to give it to you on video. So record this. I'll make sure it's spread far and wide. Here's how to make the perfect cheeseburger. Step one, get your butt in the car, go down to the grocery store. You need to go to the burger aisle, obviously. Now, I don't want to hear about your health food crap. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to lose weight, Jesse. I, I don't care. I don't care. You need to get the fattiest burger you can. Normally, that's going to be 80-20 in a lot of grocery stores. Here at some of the ones we have in Texas, they actually have 73-27, always the route to go. I will explain in a little while why that matters. Get the fattiest burger you can possibly find, okay? Health food is for the next day. We're making Jesse Kelly burgers here. Then, waltz on over to the cheese aisle. And I need you to look at all that amazing cheese, all those great real cheeses, which I love. And I need you to walk right by all of those and get to the American cheese singles. Yes, American cheese is the best way to make a burger. It gets melty, it gets creamy, it's the best way to do it. Save your snooty. Oh, what about Havarti? That's for tomorrow at your crackers and cheese party. These are Jesse Kelly burgers. We make these with American cheese. Next, to the buns. I'm going to try to be calm when I explain this to you. I see people all the time walking by, grabbing buns, and they just look for what they're looking for, hot dog or hamburger, and they grab the pack and walk away. You must finger the buns. You must feel each and every pack to make sure you're getting the superior bun. The bun is not just some vehicle to get the burger into your mouth. It is a critical part of the burger. Get the right buns. My word, man. Ta have some pride. Next, you're going to go over to the seasonings section. You're going to get garlic powder, not salt, not salt, garlic powder. You're going to get whatever actually generic seasoning you like. I mean, pick your generic seasoning. It doesn't matter that much. If you prefer one, get one. And then for the star of the show, you're going to walk to the hot sauce section of your grocery store and you're going to get chipotle Tabasco sauce. Notice I said chipotle Tabasco sauce. Did you hear me say, oh, whatever hot sauce you like or this chipotle, whatever. Did I say that? No, I said chipotle Tabasco sauce. Now you're going home. Now you're going to make your burger patties. Your burger patties are going to be made by dumping all the burger in whatever container you like, and then you're going to grab your garlic powder, and you're going to dust the top of it with there. Not too much, not too little. You're going to take your, garlic, your, your general seasoning. Do not overuse it. It's not the star of the show. Do not overuse it. You can make these burgers too salty. You can make these burgers too salty. Again, learn from my mistakes. 
Put a generous amount on there, but not too much. Then the chipotle Tabasco sauce. Drown it in chipotle Tabasco sauce. Pour what you think has to be way too much chipotle Tabasco sauce and then look at it and then say, okay, I'm going to pour even more on there and pour even more on there. Believe me when I tell you, if you're intimidated by the heat, don't be. Most of that heat will cook off. Most of that heat will cook off. You want to use too much. I'll use half a bottle for a pound of burger. It's that much. I drown it in the stuff. Now you form your burgers. Burgers are not supposed to be fat. Burgers are supposed to be thin. Make a thin patty. It could be wide. That's fine. A thin patty is what you're going for. Oh, but Jesse, I like more meat. That's fine. Make a double cheeseburger. You can make a double. That's fine. A good burger is a thin burger, not a thick burger. Now, finally, where are you cooking these? I want you to go outside. I want you to look at your grill. And I want you to look at it good and hard. And then I want you to say, not today, grill. You cook my burgers on a flat top. If you have a flat top of some kind you can put on your grill, that's fine. Cast iron pan or something like that. If you want to just use a frying pan in the house, that's fine. You make my burgers one at a time because each one deserves its own personal attention. You don't mass produce my burgers one at a time. You cook them on a flat top. You make sure they cook there in their own fat. Sizzle till it's ready. Flip. The second you flip it, put the cheese on. Melt the cheese on your burger. We are not animals here. When you're done with that, Remove the burger patty, place it on your bun. You don't need a single condiment for my burger. Believe me, the ketchup, mustard, mayo. Don't you dare assault my burger with lettuce and tomato. You can put condiments on it if you want to, but it's not necessary. Burger, cheese, bun. Enjoy the greatest burgers on the planet. You're welcome. I'll see you tomorrow.